0: Coming up on Garden Talk. It's really cheap and simple, too, to just build whatever frame and size you want, you know, get your extractor, choose your lights, and then boom. I use what's available, and one of the first things available when I first started growing again in Columbia was five-gallon paint buckets, but, like, not used with paint. So there's no toxicities or anything. You just go buy a paint bucket. It's like three bucks or something. I was like, oh, it's so much better than going to the gardening store. They're like ten bucks or something here. If you're all still a little bit early in that flower and you're seeing a lot of stretch on the main stretchers, if you need to, do a little bit of LST, just a little bit to slow her down. And if you have to, take those two top four whatever suckers, just, you know, slow them down just a little bit with a little bit of low stress training. This is a way to be able to have your own medicine, produce it for yourself on a consistent basis in an organic way where you actually know what is inside your medicine and you get to choose it.
1: What's up everybody, If you that don't know me, my name is Chris, aka Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk Podcast, this episode number 80. In this episode, I interview Dakota from HomeGrow TV. He is a YouTuber with over 21,000 subscribers and has a lot of experience doing closet growing. In this episode, he talks about growing in small spaces, such as closets. Thanks to all of you who support this podcast through Patreon. If you'd like to support, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash mrgrowit. Before we get into it. I want to acknowledge that one of my goals for this podcast is to bring zero cost for information about gardening all plants to the general public. That being said, I'd like to thank the sponsors of today's episode who helped make that goal possible. AC Infinity is sponsoring this episode. The grow tent kits are incredible. You get their ion board LED grow light, their grow tent, which is currently the thickest on the market, their ventilation system, clip-on fan, and the Controller 69 to control it all. You also get their fabric pots, a trellis net, plant ties, and trimmers. Definitely a good price for all that you get in the kit. I'll have a link in the description section below so you can learn more about these Grow 10 kits, and you can use discount code MrGrowit if you're buying off their website, acinfinity.com. That discount code actually works for all AC Infinity items. Or discount code MrGrowit15 if you're buying off Amazon and we are back welcome to the garden talk podcast today i am joined with dakota from
0: home grow tv how you doing today dude fantastic what an honor to be on the show mr grow it my bro can i call you chris now that you know we get to hang out virtually like this for the first time of course yeah, absolutely dude no thanks again bro for for having me on
1: yeah, I'm excited for you to be on here. And uh, you know, the topic we're going to talk about today is something that excites me because it hasn't really been talked about on my podcast yet, which is closet growing. But really, we're going to be talking about like growing in small spaces as well, right? So it's not just closet growing, but some people don't have a closet. They're just growing in a small space. We'll get all into that because there's really some things that you can do differently than you would do in a larger grow space. So kind of narrowing it down specifically to those small grow spaces, closet growing, I think is going to be valuable to the audience. But first, can you do an introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into gardening.
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. So my name is Dakota. Originally, am from Edmonton, Alberta in Canada. Right now, I'm living here in uh, near Medellin, Colombia, and that's a long story. We'll get there. But uh, no, originally Canadian at heart. Absolutely, you know, love it. I think a lot of people notice I'm Canadian when they start hear me talking. They my boats still come out quite a bit, and uh, my journey into growing and and finding this medicinal plant is actually quite interesting. And it's really cool to be able to come on here today and be able to share it because, you know, the format that I get to share on YouTube and stuff, we don't really go into my backstory so often. And getting to do a few interviews myself, it's not getting into the backstory of, of HomeGrow TV and how we got here today. So it's really cool to to be able to dive into that. And what makes it so different is the fact of like kind of like the age I got into it at and how um, how I ended up finding it. Uh, it was actually my – what I call my stepdad, um, you know, my mother's boyfriend at the time. And I was 16, 17, um, and – I had started to have my first kind of relationship with, you know, the medicinal side of it and starting to see it. I I suffered a lot at a young age of migraines. I used to be like hardcore once a month. And this was like, it'd be either a full one day or if not a two, three day migraine. And my mom didn't know at the beginning, but I ended up finding this, you know, to be a solution. And I came back from a trip and I was 16 years old. And I go into the basement and my stepdad shows me this little wooden closet. And it was built out of a wooden frame. And he said, "This system right here, what I'm about to show you." And I had no idea what's inside. I'm like, "Talk about a, you know, a, a, a buildup of of, uh, of what's to come." And he's just like, "Tell me the rules first. Like, what I'm about to show you. This is a way to be able to have your own medicine and produce it for yourself on a consistent basis in an organic way, where you actually know what is inside your medicine, and you get to choose it." And I was like, "Okay, what is in this box?" You know. And so it was with a little screw drill, and he undrills it. And it opens up and I just see like a row of six little plants and they had these little white pistils coming out. And I had never seen the plant in that form. I just had o- always seen it in its final cured form. You know, I wasn't, edu- you know, this was my first entrance into seeing this, this format. So my entry into the, to the growing world was actually through, you know, through family and showing me step by step. And it was books like, you know, the Grow Bible or Jorge Cervantes, you know, Course. I got, you know, took in through those steps by steps, but in person and given that book and given that course. And like the first thing ever in my hands, that was the first like year and a half was that little, that little uh, closet grow. And it was a three little step formula. And it was really like a two by six is what it was. And this was, you know, your flower your veg and your mum room and your clone room up top and it was like little T5 bulbs for the the clones and I didn't know any of these things and he was just showing me the system and he was like the first thing also he's like that same day here's your journal you write down everything you do to these beautiful plants and everything that goes into them and you write down any signs from here on out and uh, this is now you know like immediately just took to such a beautiful hobby to see them change from the first day I seen them then go in the next day for a week later immediately I was hooked I took it very seriously and I seen the you know, the impacts of the way you treat, you know, the, this plant and what comes out of it after, oh my God, that first harvest was the most insane thing, you know, that that I've ever seen still to date. I'll remember it clear as day. That was kind of the, the grow, getting, getting into my first kind of experience with closet grows and that from there, that same technique went into grow um, slightly bigger spaces, but it was always still building our own wood frames, white reflective poly. You know, grow tents wasn't something I heard of yet or seen. LEDs was something you only seen in High Times Magazine. Um, HPS was the light we were using. And then for everything veg was just T5s, those nice little thin bulbs that we just put on a nice little panel. And it was a lot of, you know, do-it-yourself building, you know, working with wood and kind of doing it. But that was getting that respect and understanding for creating your own environment in a small space. And that's why I thought the topic today was so good to dive more into the small space closet grow uh, compared to I do have you know experience with bigger tents and, and bigger grows then but that's what started it all and I still to date now always have you know these small two by fours or clo- uh, closet style grows because I just found the importance number one of controlling your environment and then the ease of doing it in the smaller space learning there was was gave me great you know kind of a foundation to go to a you know from there I think we we're building enough for 20 plants and in, in, into something a little bit bigger and that was you know a totally different space but The little the what you can do in just a closet size built, you know, by yourself at home and help with self sustaining, you know, perpetual harvest that absolutely blew my mind.
1: It's pretty cool to hear your story about how you started and starting with a small space and kind of working your way up into bigger space. So you have experience in, in both types of environments, right? That's really cool to hear. I have to ask, how did the whole YouTube thing come about, right? So you're real known for your YouTube channel called HomeGrow TV. Mm -hmm. I'll definitely have a link to it down in the YouTube description section below. You currently have 21,000 subscribers on your channel. And I must say, your video production is insane. I mean, you're up there with the best of the best as far as video production, bringing everybody up to the next level as far as
0: video production.
1: How did that all come about?
0: So the, yeah, that's a great question. That follows up through that was my again getting into and, and finding what it was like to grow, finding how easy it was to be self-sustaining with your own medicinal you know plants at home. That eventually ended up coming to a full stop when I get into again. I was so young when I got into it. I continued that till about you know eighteen, nineteen years old. Worked a few construction jobs, and then I actually was blessed enough to have a friend who also worked construction. And he got into the world of affiliate marketing, online marketing, internet marketing. And this was back in like 2011 and 12 when I decided at 19 years old, I'm going to get into affiliate marketing. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with uh, authors like Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Week, and, and these different uh, people in the self-development world. That was one of the first books I read was The 4-Hour Week, And I've learned about geo-arbitrage, where you're getting paid in US dollars, Canadian dollars, and then spending that in somewhere else. So at... Nineteen years old, I went to Thailand, and I was barely making any money online. But it was going to be more than more than it was worth in, in in Canada. So I took the risk, and I went with my buddy, and and it ended up really snowballing and turning into more income that I could have thought of at that time. More freedom. That's what got me to Colombia as well. In two thousand thirteen, we did nine months in Thailand, and then I came out to Colombia for just three months. That was my plan, and that was two thousand thirteen. Now we are in what, 2022 I'm still here, absolutely loving it You know, traveling out here often But this is my home base here in Colombia And since then, in 2016 I made a transition into filmmaking and ad, it was a lot in the advertising, uh, filming, and the marketing world. So as an affiliate marketer, the best way to sell a lot of my products at 19 was to create a video. you know, drive them, And this is like back when Facebook marketing was like just the right side banner ad with a photo. And then you click on it, and it would go to like email. And then video th- wasn't even a thing yet on Facebook. And so when it did become a thing, that was like, I got to learn this. I bought Final Cut Pro in 2013 as well. And I would just slowly do my marketing videos. And I found that on Sundays, which was my free day... I was editing videos to like 6 a.m. of like me traveling and all these like just random things just trying to learn the skill of editing and I sat down myself in 2016 and that's like that's the blessed thing I why I continue to love this plant so much because it was because of this plant and on a creative session just sitting there thinking and analyzing my life I was like what would life look like if that's all you did if all you did was create film. So in 2016, I made a big risk and just started working in the video world, learning the skill set, putting in the time, what is editing, what are the basics of camera. And then, oh, my goodness, a pretty much pandemic I, or, or, or the, the whole COVID thing started in 2020. I had been working in film now just for a little bit. I could no longer travel to go to the clients that I needed to go to in the events the way I used to work. And so I created uh, HomeGrow TV. And I was like, dang, man, what if I did the same amount of effort, everything I was putting into my clients' work, their commercial work, that stuff, and we just did it with this beautiful thing that I used to do, and I had stopped growing for eight-plus years, traveling, client work, you know, and I didn't know in Columbia you could even grow 20 plants legally. Everyone here by, by uh, residence, by household, is legally allowed to grow 20 medicinal plants in, in their house with no said license. So when I found that out, and this was, again, just around right before COVID-19. I was like, I'm going to create the channel. And just slowly, again, that transition from working with client work and marketing to doing HomeGrow TV, which really I would say six to eight months ago is I'm like, I just want to go full time. I just want to hang out with these ladies, film them, see them go from seed to harvest, uh, document that part. So that's that's kind of where the the, the filming and the production value comes from, from the HomeGrow TV side and the storytelling from that past experience I had as, as creating marketing videos and and filmmaking in that world.
1: That's awesome. Wow. So, coming up on 10 years video editing total since you said you started in 2013. So, no wonder why you're so good at it.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's fun. I really do love it.
1: So, transitioning over to growing, uh, you talked a little bit about what your growth style is, right? You mentioned indoors. Do you also do outdoor growing as well? Also, are you organic? Are you mineral based or often called synthetic? <laughs> and what medium are you in? Are you soil? Great question. Cocoa, hydroponic systems?
0: So being here in Colombia, it's crazy to say this, but I'm 100% indoor right now. Here in Colombia, we have 365 all year round. It's 1212 12 light. It's perfect conditions for outdoor, and some of the biggest outdoor grows in the world are based out of here. And that's why I see these major companies now coming down from Canada, you know, from all around the world, really uh, licensing land and and moving in that direction. So. Do we do it yet? No. And that's mostly just because of the property I live on. I cannot wait. That's my goal within the next year, to get to a place where I can have 10 outside beauties and then 10 inside, again, limited to 20 without going to to get a license. So 100% indoor right now, but cannot wait to get outdoor. The medium we use um, is... I started here in Colombia, and this is trial and error. Here in Colombia, dude, it's so much different than back when I was in Canada. What's available, right? Like, I can't go get what I what I originally learned with. So it was a learning curve the first year here. And I have a great grow bro that you see a lot on the channel. His name's Mister Q. He runs a company here out of Colombia. He has been growing like a year more than or more than that here in Colombia. So he had his, his his company down, you know, his his feet down, and he's like, dude, go to cocoa. And it's like, it cost me 10 bucks for like a big bulto, like a big coffee or like a big potato sack, 40 kilograms. Uh, 10 bucks for that. And it cost me 10 bucks for a big bag of castings, earthworm castings, another 40 kilos, just huge. And so I follow his formula, what he taught me, and I play between just cocoa 50-50 with the castings. And it's not the same quality castings, again, that I would be used to in Canada, that you might find in the States. Um, it, it, it doesn't, it's not like just pure, like, oh, this is just, you know, worm poop. Like, you can tell it's a little bit of earth still, but there's a lot of, of great minerals in there. So I usually play between a 70 cocoa to 30, uh, we call hummus, uh, castings, or 50-50. Playing anywhere between those, those kind of ratios. And then for nutrients, um, what's really cool at HomeGrow Tea, we're always just testing new things. So we've done a six-month cycle with Mills nutrients. Um, you know, we did a year cycle with an organic line nutrients that is actually my Grow Bros uh, um, nutrient line. And it just to see and for me to learn again to get my feet wet and see. Okay, that was the difference between this. Now we're running cutting-edge um, split with cronk. So we're testing. at at different times. And we're never just running through like, okay, just one grow test. We're going to run everything for six months. Let's run it for a while. Let's see how it works. And then from there we'll decide, do we move on and test more nutrients or are we going to stick with these ones? And I think we're almost getting to the point where I'm just like, okay, I've tried enough for like, let's just hang low for like a year, two years and just run this stuff and start to dial it in more now with, with the plants and see how they're reacting.
1: Gotcha. Okay. And you mentioned that you started in a small grow space. Really, your your closet is, is framed in, I guess, right? You started in a framed area. There's a lot of people in a similar situation to you where they want to actually create a framed grow space that's you know, around closet size or could be even smaller than that. Talk to us in detail about how you went about framing it, even getting into the details on like uh, what size wood you used. I, I think you used either uh, would you use the panda
0: film, a mylar, so on and so forth. Great, great question. Dude, I love that you're bringing me back to that time. And I really, really hope my um, set that watches this at some point because what great times those were. And I'd say like the best way for people listening to this or, or maybe watching this right now, um, and thinking about building your first one at home and like you wanted to see someone do it, I would go search out Jorge Cervantes and like that original grow course, he shows you how to frame out a room and the way we would do it is we would look at the space. So the first one ever, okay, I know I have about this much and we framed it about two by six. And again, in Canada, it's very typical in most garages in your household. You're going to have power tools. If not, someone's parents or friends, someone's going to have power tools. If not, you would go rent. And when I first moved out, that's what we'd go to. The Home Depot, we'd rent what we needed. And we'd just do a day cutting, measure everything out, and very simple framework. You know, I'm really just talking like just, you know, two by fours cut to the size, you know, drilled together with with your power drill. Um, Depending on how big we went, then obviously we'd have side braces and brace it a few more. But uh, Jorge Cervantes does it great, bro. In that old-school grainy film, I think it's on YouTube as well, and he's up there, and they're just, you know, they're hanging everything, and they're getting it up. And what we would use, I don't know the name, but it, I knew it as black and white poly. And I don't know if it was made for construction or if it was a gardening thing, but I'm pretty sure I would get it at the gardening store back then, and that wasn't something I would get at Home Depot. I can't remember specifically, but it was black on one side, white on the other. And then what I liked about and I still like about the idea of building your own size grow room. You can tailor it to your own size, you know. And so when I first did my grow, my, my grow on my own. Outside, you know, without my stepdad um, taking me step by step, we went a bit bigger, and we just custom built it to whatever our basement was, knowing, okay, we just spaced out, okay, two plants, we had a track and a 600 watt HPS going back and forth at the times, we're like, okay, we'll put maybe two or three, 20 in here, okay, perfect, and then so we just, you know, framed it out custom with that, and then the poly- With a little stapler stapling it up, you seal it, you know, you cut your hole where your ventilation is going to be very, it's exactly what the tents are today. And that's why it's, it's crazy too to see the, how easy the kits are. You got the holes in the bottom and you choose where you want to open up the flaps. We were doing the same thing before I even knew that existed. And I'm just like, wow, bro, like I'm just so fortunate that I was taught that way at the beginning and not just throw it in a closet without, you know, sealing in some kind of way, having an extractor. Um, you know bringing the fresh air in not knowing that and just planting beans if that was my experience getting into the game I think I don't even know if HomeGrow TV would be around now. It was really nice to learn the basics so You know, it's cool to even see people use a closet They might not even seal it with black and white sometimes, but they do have an extractor going out They got things coming in. They know no lights going into that room maybe so there's ways to do it without sealing it, but It's really cheap and simple too to just build whatever frame and size you want, you know get your extractor choose your lights, and then boom.
1: For the polyfilm, I think it's also called Panda Film. I'm not sure if it's a brand panda or what, but uh, that stuff... You know, for anyone listening in that's looking to purchase that stuff, there's different sizes of thickness, and some are so thin that you can actually hold up to light and you can see the light right through it. So you just got to be careful that you're looking at the thickness. I think the standard thickness is five mil. I think the uh, Happy Hydro actually has the thickest on the market, seven mil. So if you're really looking for a real thick one, product placement here, Happy Hydro, shout out to you guys. I actually have some of it. That's what I used for my closet, seven mil thick on that stuff. So it's solid. Now, what about light? Mm -hmm. What did you use for lighting back then? And and taking a look back, what do you recommend now for lighting in in a space like that? Since back then, the lighting was a lot different than it is today.
0: Yeah, dude. HPS was our main go-to for flower back in the day. And I love those T5s. Like, I would even bring them back now. Just those small fluorescent little T5 balls were so cheap. And we would get custom and build panels with, like, 10 of them on there You know They would barely You know Use up anything And I remember even Doing a full grow From seed to harvest With just those to see And I was like Blown away With like Oh my god It actually produced nugs As well I thought just HPS Was going to do that But no HPS was really nice Back in the day Especially in Canada In the winter bro It gets really Really cold So it was nice To have that heat um, At at certain times Definitely during the winter I can't In the summer as well We were in a basement So it was It was nice and, and cool and uh yeah the great results but now like especially with where i live now and being in columbia and even if i was still in canada uh, led i just really big fan of led because of the heat the efficiency is so nice uh, there's like something for everyone's grow style so it's like some people are really into the bars some people love the panels you know and it's just it's just really cool to see where it's come and you know we're always just testing as well different things here on uh on the channel, on HomeGrow TV, and it's just, we found some really, you know, amazing, you know, just amazing results with, I remember the first time I tried a 200-watt LED, and I was like, ah, oh, it's just, you know, and, and the 2x4s, which is a great example, and keeping the, the environment small, and it was just 200 watts, the first time I ever tried one, I was like, I wasn't expecting, you know, what I see on Instagram—these 700 watts, thousand watt LEDs, crazy nugs, dude. It was unbelievable. I was like, "Oh my god!" I, it just blew away my expectations. You know, if if you just have it dialed in nice and have everything turned in nice, and with those small tents, I find it, it's it's easy to dial in the the perfect settings
1: yeah that's all you really need for a wattage these days it you know can be very very low i mean for a two by two space a lot of people put 100 watts of led in there right you know two by four space 200 watts now you can go above and beyond that for sure but then you could potentially run into heat issues mm-hmm. you know with all that uh energy consumption being drawn the heat coming from the diode, being in that small space that can be difficult yeah let's get into air exchange air circulation uh first what's your ventilation system you talked a little bit about an extractor fan but uh, is there a particular Brand fan you're using to exhaust the air. Are you know, using carbon filter too? So on and so forth.
0: So yeah, ventilation. I think that's a perfect question for the timing that I've just recently going through right now because I think it was two or three epi- episodes ago on the channel we released something on powdery mildew. It's the first time that's ever happened to me, and I got hit hard on like two of my tents because uh in in Canada I always took it for granted. We had a much drier Climates, and I remember not having to fight with 80, 90% humidities like I have here. So I was like, ah, oh, one of my fans broke, and this was a, uh, I won't mention the name, but it wasn't a brand any of us it was like the cheapest one I could find on Amazon, an extractor. And it broke down, I didn't have a replacement, so I connected one tent to the other tent to the two by four, so they would extract both and then go out. So I'm bringing powdery mildew from one into the other, which I didn't know, and then it's all on the, on the, Channel, on the episode, I learned so much, and so I definitely respect more now. And is something we all know, but I didn't know the consequences until I was dealing with powdery mildew. Now I know it has to be on point. And the main one that I'm absolutely loving is the AC Infinity because of the the monitoring. Like to get to see. The, the humidity that's in there, getting to adjust the probe and not having like an external little one, I'm absolutely loving. And now having the Bluetooth ones. I don't have the Wi-Fi, but I have the new Bluetooth and their advanced setup. And it's so cool to be able to see it on my phone, have alerts set up and everything. So for me, that's my go-to now. And I don't think I'll invest in anything else um, that's not going to be at least at that level to be able to see now what's going on. Monitor for my phone, monitor if I'm at an event, um, just in case something does, you know, um, totally – have an error stop working, which you know, and all the time I've been growing, that's the first time a fan ever failed like that. But it was enough to totally mess up, you know, two beautiful tents. And uh, yeah, dude, AC Infinity, I'm absolutely loving them right now. And please, please, everyone listening to this or watching this, don't make the same mistake I do or I did. Um, it won't happen again on the channel. But uh, yeah, take your extraction, your ventilation seriously inside the rooms. I've always had clip fans. But I've found a lot of the clip fans I've worked with in the past or I've used have never had the power uh, I wanted to. But I'm finding the new AC Infinity ones which I also have like they have the oscillating ones which I'm absolutely loving and the other ones also getting to set the power and control the power for my phone and everything. It's just giving me a whole new realm of control and like kind of freedom. So I'm excited to see how that reflects the grows. I'm doing my first tests and harvest with with those setups right now. Um, But yeah, if I don't on the other tents where I don't have the nice oscillating ACs I'll run, you know, a nice big from the home center, like the Home Depot Center, uh, big fan up in the corner, one down below, and if I need to, maybe another one. Just to make sure everything's kind of somewhat dancing in the room, not break dancing and getting nuts, but just slightly kind of uh just moving back and forth and say no to powdery mildew.
1: Yeah, the air circulation is so undervalued by so many people and a lot of people don't have their fans set up the way they should so the air flows as it should and a lot of people have real dense canopies so there's hot spots and humid spots and air circulation in order for it to get the co2 that it needs now ac infinity they've certainly done so much in order to make things a lot easier for indoor growing right one thing ac infinity doesn't have though which maybe they'll have in the future who knows is heating and cooling So some people will run heaters in their environment or some type of air conditioning, whether it be the standalone ones or the central AC in the house. What do you
0: do for heating and cooling? Dude, yeah, and that question too. They, I can't wait till they do it because the main question, and me as a, as a, you know, a, a consumer of AC Infinity. I remember the first time seeing it and making my order on on uh, getting my first inline fan or extractor fan, and I was like, "Is it AC though? Is it is it producing AC out? Is it making cold air?" And I'm like, going on the website, I'm like, "Where's the <laughs> AC in this thing?" Um, I would totally didn't know at the beginning, but I can't wait for that to to come out. When I lived in the city of Medellin, which right now I'm only about a half hour outside, and uh, uh, Colombia is the second most biodiverse country in the world. Some say it's the first, some say it's the third. There's a, it's a, you know, between Brazil, you got Peru here, but it's up there. Meaning, if I drive a half hour this way, it can get a lot hotter and sometimes more humid. If I go half hour that way, it can get colder, and I'm like, I need a, I need a jacket on. With just a half hour, just the elevation, it's in the mountains here. So just being in the city where I was... Uh, A few months ago, eight months ago, I think is back when I lived out there, it would get way too hot in my room. So I needed an AC. It would get get like 32, which I'm not good at Fahrenheit too hot. You know, it was a few degrees too hot of my optimal uh, where I wanted to be. And so I would have to run it at night. And even running it at night, I had to keep my lights low because if not, it was just going to be too warm unless I had AC. Moving a half hour to where I live now, it's just – and this was part of the decision of why I moved here. I was like, okay, if I'm going to take it serious, it's going to be a big investment. You know, AC all year with the amount of test rooms that I want to do and stuff, that's going to be pricey. If we go a half hour over there, here at night, it gets cooler. It's cooler here in general. Um, It can be a little bit more humid, um, but right now it's perfect. Like the hottest I'll get is 25 degrees. And then I turn them off in the day, and it sits at 22. So my range is now like 3 degrees on any tent pretty much from day to night, Um, being able to crank to 100 on the lights that I do want to. So I'm really blessed uh, being able to choose, like, okay, let's just move a little bit over here and kind of control it that way. So if I didn't, though, yeah, I would be using AC, and a lot of people here in Columbia use AC, which has its own advantages, you know, as far as keeping the humidity down, working in in some of those areas, I wish – You know, maybe I had a curing room with AC in it. That would be really cool. Goals, you know, maybe one day we'll get there. Just my curing room has AC. That would be amazing. But no, for now, keeping the energy bill as low as possible. No heaters, no AC.
1: One thing I just want to add to that would be for air conditioning. That's a concern for a lot of people, especially in small spaces, you know, closets. You're not going to really fit a standalone, one of those portable... AC units in your closet. Uh, they're, they're just too big. I mean, you probably could, but you wouldn't have much space left for a plant. Of course, it depends on the size of your closet. If you had a huge walk in closet, then you could probably fit in a, a right. portable AC. But one thing to keep in mind is that they consume so much energy. The standalone portable ones, so much energy. I had one of those for a while and I was using it, and my energy bill just went through the roof. Now, the window ACs yeah. are going to be a little bit more efficient. But by far, the central ACs in the house, and that's what I use now, is just the central AC in my house. I just lower it down. I'll freeze a little bit if needed. Um, yeah. But as long as my plants are happy, that is most forgiving on the energy pill for sure. So I just figured I'd add yeah. that in. And then for heating, one thing I just want to speak about is a lot of people use those portable heaters. And I have one of mm-hmm. those tower heaters. I use that all the time. Same thing with your AC is it might not fit in that grow space comfortably. But having your equipment outside of the grow space in your lung room, like the room that your closet is in, for example, if you're controlling the air in that room, and then once you have your exhaust fan on, you're bringing that air in. Well, you're bringing in the ideal air, right? The 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 temperature and humidity that you've that's been conditioned in your lung room is coming into your grow room. So, just forget mention yeah. those few things. Now, how about humidifier and dehumidifier a lot of people adjusting the relative humidity in order to get into that optimal range for plant growth are using a humidifier or dehumidifier at all what's all around you almost everywhere you look and makes your life better birds learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called birds of a feather talk together Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to
0: like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. yeah great point and especially being in those in in a small tent closet grow two by four or anything bigger than that it's you know talking about that last issue that i did have with the powdery mildew now that'll never happen again and so talking about the two by fours for example again they're sometimes my favorite just because i can control the environment so easily and like i have small dehumidifiers in every single one of them just small you know the little portable ones it doesn't hold that much liquid so it would be nice to have a huge one in the main room um, but it's just nice to see. Okay, cool. We're getting to this point. Put a little, little portable one inside, and it's actually been keeping it in, in the perfect range. Um, seeing like 58 to like 66. If it gets crazy rainy and it's like really, really humid, which, again, here I'm used to seeing 80, could be you know 90 sometimes. So dehumidifier all the way. Um, the next big investment will be getting two of those big ones. I'm gonna start with one. Let's see the difference on the electricity bill but i'm going to get one of the big ones because curing has just and and drying has been probably the biggest challenge of growing in a very humid spot because even you keep it good in the room now curing it Ah, it's just a whole different thing. So if I can control the entire room where all the grow tents are and keep that at a a certain range, that's kind of where I want to go and just have that draining into a bucket, um, much lower maintenance instead of going in the tents every day, taking out the little dehumidifier water and and getting getting rid of that. So yeah, definitely um, dehumidifiers here. I wish I had the problem to have to use humidifiers like you have, right? That's what you have? I'm the complete opposite of you. I've never
1: had to run a dehumidifier because my natural humidity is like... 30% now. Looking at it right now, it's exactly at 30% right now. I'm looking at my monitor. And wintertime, it gets even crazier. It's like 19%, 18%. So it's like super dry here, which increases transpiration and plant growth. It could actually be a negative thing in some cases. So I actually have a humidifier. So I add in humidity. Now, one thing I will say about humidifiers is those will, you know, you can shove one of those in a, a small grow space, either a small grow space or a closet space. Levolt. Is the brand that I've been using now, and it's way better than anything else I've ever used. This one is uh, top fill, mm-hmm. so you can actually yeah. just take off the top, load up the water without That's having right. to like some of the other tanks. You have to like take off the whole thing, flip it upside down, unscrew it, then pour it in. It's like you don't have to do any of I that. I seen it on like, one of
0: your episodes. That was am- that was really cool, dude. It makes it easier. I know it's like
1: it seems like a small feature to some people, but it's like it's <laughs> it's just the convenience factor. It's great. Uh, yeah, also, it's it, it- it's connected to your smartphone as well so you get notifications when it's out or when it needs to be cleaned which is really cool so i I love that one and the tank i think is like a gallon and a half so it's larger than a lot of the other tanks on the market so i can't recommend that brand enough i did have a leaking issue with one of them but i think Mm -hmm. i just cleaned it and then now it doesn't leak anymore so i don't know what happened there but uh yeah full disclosure
0: (laughs) yeah no thing looks solid and that's kind of like the difference between the dehumidifier, um, and the small one, the disadvantage taking it out every day, two days. If you forget about it, it's just going to turn off, stop taking out the, the humidity compared to if I had a bigger one, I'm running the hose, it's going into the bucket. There's some things it really is making the work, uh, that it's worth making the jump for and in investing. Like we think about LEDs as being just the main thing or, okay, and then we'll think about our tent. But man, yeah, it's like, it's not fun, but sometimes you're going to have to drop, you know, depending on where you live and your situation. On something like that, it isn't the most exciting, but man, is it going to make it's going to save so many headaches and just save you you know just better butts
1: yeah, I completely agree, and that's why most of the episode so far, just what the entire episode has been on the the space and the actual equipment that goes in the space. I do mm-hmm. want to transition over now to actual growing the plants in that small space, and I think I want to start with the container size. Right, you're in a small space. What size containers do, did you run in your small closet grow? I guess, what size would you recommend?
0: So, yeah, I started and, and we... I remember back in Canada, it was cool. I haven't seen these or used these since, but this was like back when it was like, remember just the plastic bags? They were disposable bags, kind of like the grow bags material we have now, reusable. These were like just plastic, and we were using one gallon sea of green. But nowadays, especially having a plant limit, and that's often the conversation, you know, depending on where you're growing, you know, or, or what the medicinal plant limit is on um, where you are. Here, it's 20, right? So I never want to go above that, and I usually want to stay a few, you know, below just to, in case I want to cut a clone or, or just have have room to be able to play, so the size I often do now you know and I always still like to you know know that big roots big fruits. so as big as we can go in um, the smallest of testing size, three gallon just to see certain strains how they 're going to produce in a three gallon and that 's in a two by four small setup i 'll put either two or three in there and if I put three uh, three gallons in then i 'm going to only veg them out you know not as long you know, four weeks maybe and then kick them over, whereas if I have just two, I could veg them out for maybe eight you know six if if we wanted to just get into it and then have more room and in, in there so I've done both and we have several episodes on the channel of showing both what it's like to have three what it's like to have two using three gallons Um but some of the other favorite ones and a lot of people actually make fun of me too of this one but in a nice way I, I also kind of laugh at it I use what's available and one of the first things available when I first started growing again in Colombia was five gallon paint buckets so like you know but like not used with paint. So there's no toxicities or anything. You just go buy a paint bucket. It's like three bucks or something. And I was like, oh, it's so much better than going to the gardening store. They were like 10 bucks or something here. It's like this luxurious one. And so I just got a bunch of these five gallons drilled holes in them, and it was nice because they were a little bit taller and If I wanted to do sea green, I could fit a bit more you know into into that into that size um and then the biggest is eleven gallons, and that's when like you know in a five by five, I can have five of these eleven gallons and veg them out for eight weeks, make them big you know if we want to keep it to twenty plants, can't do a sea of green of forty, let's do five big ones you know in in four separate rooms you know so that's what i've also tested that's on the biggest end is 12 gallons none of it fabric yet but right now we're testing two tents a two by four and a four by four with all fabric pots and that's from basement auto flowers homie that has this fabric pots with the option to train your plants which you know we'll talk about talk about later um so i'm again and there's the differences there i like the non-fabric, because I started with that when I first got back into Columbia, and I just found if it's not the right quality, you're going to get leaking everywhere, it dries out quicker, you just have to be ready for the difference between growing in a fabric pot. Um, And I found sometimes if you're away from the house an extra day, or if you might miss a feed, having the non-fabric just kept uh, kept the the moisture a little bit longer, and it was just something I just got used to the timing of when they were going to water and everything. So... Now we're going to be testing, uh, yeah, fabrics. I think we got three gallons and five gallons. I'm not sure. i got to double check. It might just be five gallons, but we're testing those right now as well.
1: Okay. Yeah, there are pros, so many pros and cons to running smaller containers versus larger containers. I mean, if you're running one-gallon containers in your your small grow tent or grow space or closet, um, then you have a whole bunch of plants to water. If the plant is big, it might dry out the medium faster, so you have to water more often. Versus if you're running a larger container, say three gallons or five gallons, maybe you have to water less frequently. You know what I mean? So that's just one of many pros and cons to it. We could sit here for the next 30 minutes and talk about container size, but uh, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) But you did mention training, and I want to get deeper into that. Next Plant training, staying in a small space, staying in a closet. Some people need to train their plants to keep them small so they'll stay within that space. What do you typically do yes. for plants training when you're in a small space or closet?
0: Yeah, I think yeah, you nailed it. It totally depends, again, on the space and talking about our small spaces first, a two-by-four, to make the most out of our two-by-four. There's so many, the way I see it, and I've gone to the extreme of being the over-trainer Right, Like I've done it and I've overtrained the lady and it's like week 10 veg and she's like just short and there's like 100 things. Um, and I've gone the opposite end of like let's just don't, don't touch anything and let her go through. And I found – now I find you're, you're in a balance and you understand the plants a little bit more, especially when you know the strain. I think it's always fun to – the first time growing out a strain, if you can, just let it grow naturally to see that's great. If you don't have the time, you want to get right to training. But I think there's a few basic things talking about a small grow that we should do. Uh, The most basic and the first thing would definitely be uh, topping, you know, just to not have one branch. And if I have an extra two weeks that I want to veg for, I love to top. Um, And that way, at least I'm dealing with four tops. I've had some episodes where it looks like we have just 10 amazing colas. And that's from one single topping that we did, depending on the strain, right? Some, I like to, let's say... You know if you want to delay it a little bit and let's say it's all on timing i like to kick the next garden over when that one's halfway done right to always kind of keep things you always got a consistent harvest coming at at a certain time so i'm like okay well, i want to keep vegging these an extra two weeks let's train them a little bit more let's do a little bit of lst now right we always pretty much do the topping but right now i kind of living in that flexible area in my two by fours of just how quick do i want to flip this over into flower okay i know i have about four weeks all right let's take our time definitely do one topping and then from there LS tier to just make sure she's not going to stretch too close to the light um you know that's i don't know in, in a small space this happens to a lot of us if it it's going to happen at some point in your life it's already happened or it's going to happen in the future where you over veg a plant or a plant's going to overstretch. and in a small space you always have to keep in mind if you don't know that that genetic or what she acts like you know treat her like she's probably going to stretch a lot play it on the safe end And don't veg her out too long. Train her so she's, you know, you got yourself some good playroom just in case she stretches a foot and you're still, you know, a good at least six inches away from from the light.
1: If someone does make that mistake of over-vegging their plants or maybe they think they veg a good amount of time but then they flip over to the flowering-like cycle and they get that two, three weeks of stretch and then they're really outgrowing that space, what are some Mm -hmm. things that they should do?
0: perfect yeah that's a great question that just happened here recently i'm the type of guy that always has his his uh his fan and carbon filter in the room up top and so the first time this happened i was like oh my god uh, like really soon these are going to get too close so first step let's get the fan outside the room the carbon filter out the room get the lights as high as you can so get everything out of the room like as far as ventilation that you can on the outside your extractor that kind of stuff extract from the outside pull out you know push it outside um, that's the first thing. And let's say you've done that, or let's say you don't have the option to, and now no matter what, you're going to hit it, depending on where you are, uh, you know, you can do a really late topping. You know, there's a lot of people who are very, don't stress. You're going into flower. You've already started flower. Don't do that. If you have to, you have to. And if you like, you've you're already week one flower, you're seeing what's going on. Take her off because if not, you're going to run into a problem. She's going to be touching the light. You're going to be crying. She's she's stressing out. So that's one thing. If you're early enough to to be able to to clip her out, um, I had another one I wanted to share there. I've had to take plants out in foliage. She was just going to get too big. She was already too late in the flower to start taking buds off. So I really I had to start over again. You know, on that strain, and that was really unfortunate. So yeah, I would say take out your ventilation, what you can, raise the heights as much as you can, and then early, oh, and that was the last thing, sorry, so again, if you're all still a little bit early in that in that flower, and you're seeing a lot of stretch, on the main stretchers, if you need to, do a little bit of LST, just a little bit to slow her down, you know, like she, if she's gonna, you see her going right up, and if you have to, take those two top four whatever suckers, just... You know, slow them down just a little bit with a little bit of low-stress training, and then that hopefully should even out. The rest of them will start to come up, and you'll have more of an even kind of canopy.
1: I go as far as even super cropping. You know, when I get those branches that just come up and just actually, it's a form of high stress strain, technically, is have that thing flop over and then the other branches will kind of catch up. That's a good call out. But yeah, I've had yeah. a handful of people over the years that have sent me pictures and like I'm running out of space and they just have that one branch coming up and it's like super close to the light. And I tell them, I'm like, you may want to sacrifice that branch and they, they don't even think yeah. about it. You know, you yeah. definitely can, you already mentioned this, you definitely can top that, remove that branch. And that's actually going to help the other branches that are lower, right? Because if you have this one branch coming up and it's too close to the light, you could stretch out to the plant so much. I've done this before to where it starts throwing out nanners, you know, it's just, it's too much light stress. It starts Mm -hmm. throwing out nanners. So cutting that branch off, well, then maybe the rest of the branches are going to now grow
0: just fine because you've sacrificed Mm -hmm. that one branch. So a lot of people don't think of that. You bring up a great point, yeah, I just, and a lot of the photos we take on Home TV or for our Instagram, sometimes we take it at a point in the plant's life where she's not ready for harvest, but she looks the best for photo. So we'll cut her, and then we'll take the pictures, and then we leave the plant maybe to flower at max on one strand, we push her another two weeks. And interestingly enough, now that you say that, now I remember going back and we looked at it after and it's like, we never took anything off. We're like, oh my God, look, everything is beautiful. Even though two weeks ago, a week ago, we took off, you know, our beautiful, our, our catalog one, the rest now are like, have, wow, have all matured. So yeah, I think, yeah, you don't have to be worried if you got to take off a big one, Now you bring that up. I've done it for photography and yeah, she, uh, she will still mature nice.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. How about watering? Is there anything that you do in particular when you're watering your plants, you know, specific to closet growing?
0: Specific to closet growing, not so much. Um, If I had to relate it to, I I do keep my reservoirs obviously a little bit smaller. And let's talk reservoirs, I think, you know, per tent because – as a home grower, whether you have a, a small closet grow, whether you have a four by four, five by five you know a ten by five whatever it is um, everyone 's going to have a different way of feeding it. So what we do at home grow TV with our water at least is we do a reservoir we dechlorinate twenty four hours before at least, and a small closet grow depending on the plants i don 't want to leave my water out in the reservoir for you know for too long, so I like to just monitor it and I use those same uh, five gallon buckets, leave it out for twenty four hours before. Usually 10% of what the the pot is, is, is what I'm giving it, you know, for water. And I'm moving now almost to like almost a daily, where I'm almost testing this with a few small gardens and just watering them kind of daily, smaller amounts. Um, so, no big difference, but what I will say, and something exciting coming up, I don't know if it's going to be great or if it's going to be just totally not relevant to plants, but um, there's an alkaline, or it's just, it doesn't have to be alkaline, but there's a water filter that I used to use um, just as a, a person, not for growing, and this is basically allows me to control the pH that comes out of the machine all the way from, you know, I can choose 11 to pH 2.5. So I think there's going to be some exciting stuff in the future for HomeGrow TV and experimenting stuff with water. Um, Everything from extracts to, you know, to watering our plants and seeing the difference is really something going on, cloning, stuff like that. But, no, as of right now, I'm very typical. Take out your water, 24 hours, dechlorinate, small little reservoir, and, uh, yeah, do that probably about twice a week.
1: All right, pretty straightforward stuff there. So we are coming up towards the end of the episode, and one of the questions I like to ask on most episodes is getting good advice for beginners. So what advice do you have for those that are new to closet growing?
0: So yeah, I know, great question. I think advice for new growers getting into small closet grows, maybe just small tent grows, two by four, two by two, whatever that may be. Um, I would say definitely keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it and get started taking it one step at a time. Meaning if you don't have... Everything in your budget right now to get the dehumidifier we may have talked about today to get the humidifier that you may need Maybe you need to start off with um, You know not your most ideal light that you want to choose get your kit get going don't overcomplicate it Um, and I would also say as a side piece to that is follow if there if you don't have a grow bro that's going to take you through this step by step i would follow someone who has the results that you're looking to achieve whether that's someone who has a grow journal seed to harvest online um, whether that's watching mr Growitz content someone who's done it proven the concept and follow that step by step don't lose yourself in the information of what nutrients what genetics what light get going have fun with it Um, and then because after your first two grows every you know then you can start making decisions your own choices and 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 kind of play it from there but yeah I would just say keep it simple and and start having fun growing in the small nice nice little closet grow
1: definitely keep it simple I mean I know people who grow in a closet they just have a light in there and that's it they don't even have any ventilation they don't even have air circulation they just keep the the closet door open and Uh they have a fan blowing towards the closet door and the plants still grow exactly you can certainly get away with it you just might not get the most optimal dense buds you know that you're looking for but you'll still get a harvest off of it so i I like your advice there when you talk about keeping it simple because we did spend a lot of time here talking about environment and the equipment in order to automate the environment because it's very important but you can certainly get away with not having a lot of those things
0: exactly So, so wrapping things up how can the listeners find you and what do you have upcoming in the future? Awesome, dude. Well, you can find us on home grow TV on YouTube, just home grow TV. Also on Instagram, same thing, home grow TV. Um, and I think the future is where it gets really exciting because yeah, right now we're known for a lot of seed to harvest videos. We do do lives. Me and you are going live right after this here on, on home grow TV's channel. We do interviews, not nearly as much as you brother. You're a master at that. And we learn so much from watching your stuff. It's you know we've done a few breeders here and there but where is homegrow tv going is i think to that documentary short film um showing columbia showing the breeders kind of like that strain hunters what we got to see back in 2013 i think is when that that kind of came out that strain hunters area that documentary style of the story the growers the people where did our land races really come from um getting to meet these these kind of families who have been doing it you know from generations to generations here and that's all they know that's what gets me really fired up Um, And also those tours, so getting to see being here in Colombia, I really feel like in five years, you know, what Colombia will be known for will be totally different than what they have been known for over the last 20 years because of the movement and what's happening here with this beautiful medicinal plant. It's, It's unbelievable the attention it's getting. So to be here and to not be telling that story of some major, you know, players down here, I think it would just be would just be silly. So. That's what you can look forward to in the future with HomeGrow TV. Some beautiful short stories, some amazing tours of some beautiful facilities and and, uh, some families that have been living it for generation to generation.
1: That's really exciting. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what you put out on your channel in the future. And I'll definitely have a link to your channel down in the YouTube description section below. If you are on YouTube, click that link and go to his channel. Give him a subscription. If you're on one of the podcast platforms, just search for him. You'll find him HomeGrow TV on YouTube. And uh, he'll pop right up there for you.
0: Beautiful, brother.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, click that thumbs up button. Also, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Every single weekend, I'm releasing one of these new Garden Talk podcast episodes. And I would love for you to tune into future episodes. Dakota, this was awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. This was, uh, this was a really good conversation about closet growing. And I definitely think it's going to be valuable to a lot of people tuning into this episode.
0: Awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Again, it's such an honor to be here. It gives me goosebumps to see this happening right now and to see you through the screen. Hopefully, we get to meet one day in person at an event somewhere in the States, who knows where. But uh, much love, brother, and thank you for having me on. Thanks
1: again. All right. Peace out, everyone. See you in the next episode. Peace.